in dual uh, dual career households, and and both both partners want to go back to work or want to continue their career. So, what was that conversation like for you two in terms of figuring out the balance? That is a constant conversation that we have yeah. all of the time. Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. I am your host, Tom, and did you know that I was named after a cat? And that cat lived to be 22 years old. But that's not what we're talking about today because today I had the opportunity to have an interview with Megan Daly, who's the academic advisor at Virginia Commonwealth University. Uh, Megan reached out to us and I, I, because I had asked for, for conversations around people who were in a relationship or a marriage with someone else who is in student affairs. And Megan and her partner have grown up together in student affairs and she shares that journey. And then part of that journey is they also had a kid at one point. And so she talks about what it was like when they both decided they wanted to both go back to work. And what that conversation was like, and then also how they met in in their how they originally met in terms of what what it was like to be in a relationship, and did they tell their supervisor? Did they not tell their supervisor? Um, and then also she talks about this idea that uh, Kyle, the the partner, had this he was much clearer about his career path and where he wanted to go and she wasn't and how they navigated that conversation because they ended up moving to a different state to continue on with their careers. And so if you're someone who is in a partnership or relationship with someone who is in student affairs or if you're in a dual household, a dual, sorry, dual career household, this might be a great podcast for you to listen to. With that, let's get into it. And welcome, Megan, to the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thanks, Tom. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And where, uh, just so everyone knows, where in the world are you Are you uh, plugging in from right now? Richmond, Virginia, at Virginia Commonwealth University. Yes. What's something that most people should know about uh, Virginia Commonwealth University that maybe they don't? Like, what's one fun, surprising fact about them? Um, it is extremely diverse on our campus. I, um, everybody talks like, oh, our campus is diverse. Our campus is diverse. But um, here it really it, and, and truly is in all kind of aspects of the word diversity. And it's, it's been a great place to work the last couple of months. Nice. And then uh, it's so I, 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 you know, I know a bit about you and, and the world who is listening to your voice probably for the first time probably knows nothing. So uh, how about you give us just like a who are you so we can get to know you better? Sure. Um, so I went to school at uh, Virginia Tech. Um, I started my higher ed career there and I graduated um, with degrees in political science and English. But um, outside of kind of the academic side of college, I was one of those super involved students and really, um, really active on campus and a student leader and had some great mentors that pointed me in the direction of student affairs as a career. Um, so do you remember so, I, so do you remember a specific moment? Was it like, did you ask a student affairs professional, hey, you, do you remember, is there a moment when they either said, you know, you can do this for a living or you asked them? Or was it more yeah. of a gradual process? 
So it was actually my senior year, and I was um, talking with um, the director of judicial affairs at the time. Now it's student conduct, but I'm kind of dating myself. The director of judicial affairs, um, Francis Keene at Virginia Tech. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. I'm a senior. And she said, have you thought about doing what I do? And I looked at her funny, and I guess I had never kind of put two and two together that, you know, it was a job. Um, and so she really helped guide me and um, helped me figure out um, where to go, like where what I was trying to do and what to accomplish um, as far as um, a career in student affairs. So I, it was she. That was my moment. It was in her office and having kind of just a larger conversation about what I was going to do after I graduated. Yeah, and and I want you to continue on the story, but I, I do. I feel like a broken record in this conversation um, because in all the podcasts so far for this season specifically. Everyone has been some sort of super involved undergraduate student leader, and either they asked one of their essay pros or or their essay pro advisor, someone told them, hey, you know, you could do this for a living. So just for those of you listening, keep that in mind. Like Keep, keep remi- remembering that uh, the words we say can potentially impact the students' career choices, and they may not even know that certain careers are an option, such as student affairs. Definitely. All right, um, so go so- ahead. Yeah. So Frances, um, she helped me even through like the whole grad school search. And um, she suggested that I apply to NC State um, because it was equidistant, like Virginia Tech from where my parents lived in DC was four hours. And Raleigh, where NC State is, North Carolina State, is four hours from D.C., so it was kind of this easy geographic transition for me. Um, But that's where I ended up going um, because I also got an assistantship in housing, and I had never um, done anything in housing while I was an undergrad. Um, I was much more involved in student conduct and Greek life, um, and so I took it. Um, as an opportunity to expand kind of my student affairs resume. Um, And I was a graduate hall, um, a graduate residence director at NC State um, for a building of 350 freshmen that were all undecided. So it was a living and learning community. They put 350 freshmen together and they don't know why they're exactly at college. You get a really interesting uh, living environment. So um, it was great. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, I was there for two years and then um, did the job search. I uh, went to ACPA for placement um, and uh, UGA, the University of Georgia, ended up on my radar. I had a friend, it was actually another mentor from Virginia Tech that was working at Georgia then. And she, um, she interviewed me at ACPA and I just loved it. Um, and ended up at Georgia, um, working in a building with thousand freshman women as, um, an assistant area coordinator. Um, so still in housing and, and loved, just loved that experience. It was so great. The students were great. Um, and the department is wonderful. Uh, Georgia will always be kind of the second home to me. Um, But my first year at UGA, I got to go to ACPA again and recruit with the team there. And um, it was in Boston. I 
remember this. And <laughs> um, we interviewed um, my now husband for a residence hall director position. Huh. So I was already at Georgia. He was coming out of grad school, and um, he was applying for a job at UGA. And we interviewed him and liked him and invited him on campus, and he got the job. But at the time, I wasn't like, oh, I like you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't like that at all. Um, he ended up coming and we, um, hung out a couple of times and we went to a concert once. And then from like there on out, we were together all the time. So we were working in the same department and we started kind of dating in the same department, which was interesting. But I think, sorry, let me ask, let me just ask a question about that initial part where you were dating. Um, cause obviously a big, a big topic that we want to talk about in this podcast is what what it's like to date within student affairs, and specifically even here, you're not only within student affairs, you are in the same um, institution and the same department. Yep. And so, <laughs> in that beginning part, did you make it publicly known to others, including to your superiors, that you were dating, or was this this was hush hush for this for the initial part? Um, for, no, we were pretty open about it, um, right away. And I think that that had to do with the culture of our department, um, and the relationship that we both had with our, with our supervisors. Um, so the University of Georgia, it's a huge school, huge housing department. And so we weren't in the same area. So we weren't supervised by the same people, um, our buildings were, you know, in very, they were in different parts of campus. And so we didn't, it was nice that we didn't have um, to deal with kind of the politics of being on the same um, smaller team within housing. Um, but I told my boss pretty quickly, and I think part of it too was that being in housing and having the benefits of, um, an apartment on campus, and at the time we had um, meal plans provided. We all ate lunch together as a department, so people kind of came together around lunchtime and sat in the dining hall together. And yeah. so we couldn't have kept it hidden; like it would have been weird. <laughs> Meg, <laughs> Megan and Kyle aren't, you know, talking to each other. You know, it, it would just been disingenuous, and I, neither one of us is like that. And so. Um, we were really fortunate to have just a department that was supportive and really great people that we worked with that were colleagues, but we also considered a lot of them friends. So yeah, yeah. We, we were open in the beginning about it. Okay. And how, and in terms of, cause I know some campuses that, uh, dating is, is a little trickier in terms of, uh, the, the, the supervisor or the manager isn't particularly okay with it because it can't, it just changes the dynamic of the relationship of, of each other to the work. Um, did that, did, was that, did that ever show up for you two or? Um, I think that the only place that it's shown up and it's kind of even continued, we've been married for six years now. Um, and it's kind of still continued to show up in places in our work, um, is when we disagree with each other. Um, about certain things. So when we were at Georgia and we both worked in housing at Georgia, we would have large residence life staff meetings, you know, every other week. And so 
we made it a point to like not sit next to each other in those meetings. Um, and I think that we also have kind of always made it a point to not, to, if one of us says some, said something that was in agreement with kind of, um, what the other thought, then the other one wouldn't chime in so that it didn't sound like, yeah. you know, it was kind of like, Oh, well he said what I needed. I would want to, I would want to say, so I'm not going to say the exact same thing. I try not to do that in meetings anyway. So if somebody says what I'm thinking, I don't automatically just say exactly the same thing somebody else says. So I was just really conscious of that. But if I disagreed with him, it got really kind of dicey because then it turns into this weird dynamic where like, everyone's like, oh, they're together or they're dating or married or whatever. And they, they're disagreeing in front of a bunch of people. Right. Um, right. So that can be, that can be dicey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, is anyone else in the department at the time, uh, were they dating or was it, were you the only couple in the department? <sighs> That's a great question. I think we were the only couple. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Okay, so uh, continue on then with the journey, because I, and I'm, I'll keep interrupting. It's I try not That's to. That's totally but. fine. <laughs> so while we were at Georgia, um, we both had the opportunity to get um, promoted. Uh, the jobs came available, and we both applied for them, and we eventually moved out. Um, we got married after only dating for nine months, so. Um, we lived, I'll back up when we lived in still, and we were married, we lived in my apartment, um, because it was nicer, (laughs) (laughs) bigger. Um, (laughs) so we chose to stay in my place, but being on call was something that I did not really fully consider. Um, and that kind of changed because we would be on call for full weeks and um, it, we tried to make it so that we were both on call at the same time. Otherwise, right. you might have multiple weeks where you're both being woken up in the middle of the night with phone calls and neither one of you is getting really good sleep. So um, that was that was interesting is kind of the whole on-call aspect of having two people on call at the same time or kind of um, – managing on-call systems. Yeah. Um, Wait, and, and so let me check. When you moved in together, uh, what, what university was this at? We were still at Georgia. Oh, you're still at Georgia. Okay. And, yeah. and that was, that was if you were, and you could only move in together, the policy was if you're married? Yep. Okay, yeah. correct. Yeah. So did, yeah. did you get married so you could move in together? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like insurance. Um, we got married for the insurance. Right, right. Um, no, we, um, we, it was just one of those, like, we knew, we knew kind of thing. Yeah. And that it went really, it was really fast. When I tell people that we were only together for nine months when we got married, they're like, wow, that was fast. And I was like, <laughs> well, I just knew. So I wasn't going to dry drag it out. Um, but, um, after what, being on sorry, living you, in together, so, um, sorry, one question on the marriage. Yeah. Um, did your marriage have any student affairs themes attached to it? <laughs> <laughs> that's no and actually this is really funny I didn't even plan it um co- you know having such a strong programming background right. I've planned so many programs in all different sizes and scales and uh, of program I didn't even plan my own wedding uh, huh. I didn't really want the big party um the big the big wedding our wedding was really really small it was only 30 people total so okay um 
I did not have any type of theme. I avoided themes altogether. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. probably a little bit of my sorority background too. Sorority women love themes as well. All, <laughs> Recruitment all, themes. I'd say all roads in, in student affairs end up with a free T-shirt and a theme party. That's true. I should have done T-shirts. Oh, see, ah. see, you missed out. You missed out. I that would have been it. <laughs> All right, so uh, go ahead. So you, at Georgia, you moved in together, talked about on-call. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we got promoted, and so um, he went into student conduct, and I stayed in housing but in a staff development and training role. Okay. Um, and we weren't there very long um, because he applied – for a job at um, University of Virginia as an assistant dean. And so um, that's, he's been uh, very, like when we first got together, he was very clear with what his career ambitions were, and that was to be a dean of students. And yeah. I've always been a little bit less clear with what I want to yeah. do. Um, I'm, I like I liked housing because you are a generalist, and so you get a little bit of everything. Um, and so I felt just like I could kind of be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I liked that. Um, and so his career path definitely kind of unfolded at a different pace than mine. Um, and I actually went to, in 2013, that summer, I went to the National Housing Training Institute and, um, I, uh, was a great experience because um, my faculty member at NHTI was um, really understanding and helped me process through some of these larger questions about being um, a, a dual career couple. Um, she is is not a dual career couple. It's Deb Smith Rogers. She um, oh, sure. was my yeah. faculty mentor. And... Um, her husband's not in student affairs, but she could listen and talk to me about how I was feeling and um, kind of well, that how, I wasn't sure where I was going or what I was doing. And I, it was difficult because I had this partner that did. Yeah. Um, so how was that for you? I mean, what were those conversations? Because there's other people that are listening right now that I'm sure are in dual career couples, specifically within student affairs, and maybe they're the one that's driven – what, sorry, driven meaning they know their career path, and, right. the, and the other one's still searching for their career right. path. It, it becomes, um, for me, it's always been that um, kind of constant talk to myself that I am not my career, which is really hard because I have been driven. I mean, I accomplished a lot in undergrad. I accomplished a lot in graduate school and I did a really good job as an entry level professional and worked to get, um, to a new position within my department at Georgia. And so to then, um, have a partner that was like, Oh, well, I have this really great opportunity. It's in Virginia. Um, you know, you want the best for them. And so I've always been kind of telling myself, you know, I am more than just what I do every day. Um, I'm more than my career path. I'm more than my job title. Um, And 
I'm going to support, you know, my partner. I'm going to support this person, um, that I love very much and, and help, you know, help him get to where he wants to be too. Cause I think that's, that's definitely part of it is, you know, be the person that reads the cover letters, helps them prep for their interview, um, and share my advice and my opinion. And I have a partner that wants to hear that from me and wants to hear, um, hear my opinion on things. And so for us, I was actually, uh, six months pregnant at the time when he applied to the job at Virginia. And so I, yeah, I wasn't in a place to be job searching or in a place to be even looking for a job. I was really worried about, you know, um, having a baby. Um, but I knew we, Kyle told me, he said, um, you, I will regret it if I don't apply for this job. And so I knew then and there that I had to fully support, support him in it. Um, so he applied, um, and it was actually, so my son was born in January and we were at the hospital and that's when he got the call that he got an on-campus interview for the job at UVA. Yeah, I know. Right. While you were Um, in the hospital. Yes. While we were in the hospital. (laughs) So, um, it was, there were lots of real good positives about Virginia. So he was going to be an assistant Dean. We were going to be in the state of Virginia and my family's from, I'm from Virginia. My family's still in Virginia and we were in Georgia still. So this would have been kind of a coming home and we're going to have a baby. So we had to have kind of a better support network back in Virginia. Um, and so, so we, Packed up my one-month-old, got in the car, and drove to Virginia for his on-campus interview. Um, <laughs> I stayed with my parents. He uh, went and had his interview, and came back, and um, he was like, I think that went really well. And so I knew right then that I had to start looking for jobs wow. at, at UVA. Um, and so and that's what I did. At that time, had you told Georgia that you were, you were looking to move on yet, or is it still they didn't know quite yet? So when he got the on-campus, that's when we both told our supervisors. Okay. Um, Like, heads up, this is happening. Yeah. I think it's because part of why we waited and weren't, um, didn't tell anybody right when he applied, um, we had only been in our current, those current positions that we were in at the time for about a year. And so... Um, he felt like when he applied for the assistant dean job that it was a little bit of a reach for him. And so he wasn't extremely confident uh, that he was going to get the job, and so he didn't want to necessarily tell anybody. Um, And I think I actually told my supervisor before he told his supervisor that he was searching and that he had gotten, um, that he was moving forward in the process. So, um, but yeah, I think that's always tricky is when do you tell your your current employer that you're looking somewhere else? Um, and I think a good, a good piece of advice that's kind of gotten me through all of my career changes is to always be looking. Um, you're never, re- I've never really turned it completely off. I'm always looking at job postings at my current institution. I'm looking at job postings around the area. Um, I'm looking at, you know, job postings for places that I might want to go, um, where people I know are and I want to work for them. Um, so you never really turn it off. And it, it, my husband uses that, 
yeah. <laughs> against me. <laughs> he finds something he wants to apply to. He's like, you, you always say never turn it off, always be looking. So, you know, you've got to be supportive at the same time. If that's what I'm going to do, I have to be supportive if he's going to do that. Yeah. Have that kind of frame of mind too. In terms of, sorry, so you, you, you had your child and, and you, and both of you went back to work right away. Yeah, so I only, um, I was out for seven weeks, and then um, my husband took two weeks off. Okay. Um, and so he was, our son was like nine weeks old when he went into daycare, and yeah. we both went back to work. And what was that discussion like? Because, I'm, again, I'm sure there's people that are in dual uh, dual career households, and, and both both partners want to go back to work or want to continue their career. So what was that conversation like for you two in terms of figuring out the balance? That is a constant conversation that we have all of the time. Um, Talking about our, the roles that we play at home and the roles that, um, that we have at work with our son. Because even though my, my husband now, um, is an associate dean of students, and I'm an academic advisor. You know, in a hierarchy, he's a little, he's higher than I am. You know, I'm I'm an academic advisor. He's the associate dean, but we both work the same number of hours. We're yeah. both in the office the same number of hours, and we're both away from home the same amount of time. And so, I've never necessarily thought that that exempts him from pitching in as much at home. And I don't think he's felt that way either. Um, so it was never a question that I wouldn't go back to work. Um, I think part of the reality is we both needed two incomes as well. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't really much of a much of a question, but it was more of how do we handle everything else at home and who's responsible for what. So um, it's pretty 50-50 in our house as far as what who does stuff to keep the house running, who does the grocery shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, the child rearing, and it, it all works out. Um, but it, it works out because we talk about it a lot, and it's an open conversation. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think one of the things, sorry, I think one of the things that frustrates me, um, I'm going to go off on a tangent, one of the things that frustrates me as a working mom in a dual career couple is people that look at my husband and say, Oh my God, he's such a great dad. He's so hands on. (laughs) And I want to be like, well, you know, I work, (laughs) I work just as much as he is. Um, I'm hands on, like we're both hands. I, I I think that, you know, kind of praise, praise the male partner, the husband or the dad for being a hands on dad. I feel like that's so, old school um well because it's and, pushing up against societal norms of yeah. of your as a as a as the mother you're quote-unquote expected to do it and as the father you're not expected so if you do it's like oh that's so great like when in reality like you said we share the responsibility because that that's truly a partnership exactly uh okay so where uh where is it at now where are you two at now as far as what jobs? <laughs> yeah, in terms of uh, a living situation, live as uh, student affairs, um, yeah, career so paths. We were, we were at UVA for um, two years. I um, left housing and went into athletics, um, and he uh, was the assistant dean um, in the dean of students' office there. Um, and we were there for. 
two and a half years, and then a VCU a VCU recruiter contacted him, and they had a newly created associate dean of students position at Richmond or here in Richmond at VCU at Virginia Commonwealth. So the Charlottesville, where UVA is, is literally an hour and a half from Richmond, where VCU is. Um, so it was really close um, campus. Um, but they recruited him, and he, he got the job here. So then when he got the on-campus, I did another job search, um, and job searched at uh, VCU, and got a job in academic advising, and I'm the coordinator for student outreach in the Honors College here at VCU. So we picked up and moved down the road um, to Richmond. Yeah, and still, uh, how old your your child now? Three. Three. He turned three. Oh my goodness! And it's 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 just him, right? There's there's not yeah. there wasn't another one that secretly no. snuck in during this tr- no. journey. Okay. No, I don't know how we would have <laughs> <laughs> when we would have had time. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell yourself something in the beginning part of of this journey, like what to what what, what in terms of your relationship with your partner. Um, and, and knowing dual careers and having a child and having to, um, having him have a clearer career path than what you were, you were at the time. What, what, is there any pieces of advice you wish you would have told, you would tell yourself if you could kind of go back and like, Hey, heads up, Megan, here's what it's going to look like, or here's what, here's what you should pay attention to. Enjoy the ride. That's what I would have told myself because I think I've spent so much time kind of stressing out um, about my path, right? My partner has this path where he was a residence hall director, then he um, was in student conduct, and then he was an assistant dean, and now he's an associate dean. And mine is much more zigzaggy um, and hasn't necessarily been very uh, linear. So I've um, residence hall director, and then I worked in staff development and then I was an academic coordinator for student athletes and now I'm an academic advisor for honors college students and so I have tried to constantly again reframe my position that I am doing what I get to do every time I've job searched I've sat down and made a list of my non-negotiables what do I what do I have to do in my new position at my new university at my new job? And it, for me, it always gets back to student contact. I like having a job where I'm meet, I meet with students on a daily basis. And so for me, academic advising has been a great fit because that's what I do. I meet with students on a daily basis and, um, it, it just, it's knowing what my non-negotiables are when I search so that I'm, trying that I'm picking a position that fits what I want um, out of out of my job and not looking at title and not looking at kind of um, you know moving forward that's gonna happen for me I know it will I have to kind of keep just reiterating that everybody's path is different um, if you would have told me in grad school so like 22 year old Megan 10 years ago that I would be married to somebody 
that is a student affairs professional and that I would be working at Virginia Commonwealth University as an academic advisor, I probably would have laughed at that. <laughs> that's not where I saw myself. I thought I thought I was going to be a housing lifer and I'd be in it forever. Yeah. Um, but those doors don't close. Whenever I've gone to a new institution, um, to a new campus, I've networked like crazy. So it's getting out and meeting people across the university. I've since I started at VCU in September, and since being here, I've met people from all over the campus. I've had coffee with you know pe- folks from housing. I've had um, coffee with folks from athletics, and and just keeping people that I don't necessarily work with as an academic advisor, um, just keeping growing your network and building your network and um, keeping the possibilities and the options open. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and that, so I have one more uh, regular question and then we'll go into the rapid fire uh, round. Is is there a is there any particular, in terms of, I, I, maybe it's not dual career household specific, but have there been any relationship books that for you have been lifesavers that you would recommend other people read? Um, oh my gosh. Yes. I will have to email you the title of books. I can't remember it right now. That's okay. Um, For everyone listening, we'll put it in the show notes once, once uh, Megan sends it over. Yeah, it, it was a book we, um, my husband and I, um, read together right before we got married. And I think it laid a really great communication, um, that's pathway great. for us to talk about those roles. So that's been a big, like I said, it's been a big part of being a dual career couple is understanding more of the roles at home and how the, the, all of the life stuff, not the career stuff, but how the life stuff fits together. Um, so this, this book, it, it really did help. I can't, again, I can't remember right now. I'll have to look it up, but, um, okay, great. No worries. It was good. All right. Uh, well, with that, Megan, we are we are at the end of our time together. But before we go, uh, I don't let anyone leave without doing some rapid fire, totally random questions. Are you ready? Bring it. All right. So the intent <laughs> is like, don't overthink it. Try not to okay. just roll with it. Um, what do you do too much of in your spare time? Worry. What is the biggest pet peeve when driving? Uh, people that don't use their blinker. <laughs> what lie would you like to tell yourself right now? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, what lie would you like to tell right now? Not to yourself, just in general. Oh, my goodness. What lie would I like to tell right now? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Okay. What, oh. That's a tricky one. Uh, yeah. What does not require a lot of skill? Loving somebody. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, what useful thing did you recently learn? Oh, knitting. I just took up knitting, and it is so useful. (laughs) Uh, If you could have someone act as your personal alarm clock, who would you choose? Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. What is it about uh, you that people find irresistible? Uh, I'm I'm super charming. I'm a woo, and it's my number one strength. So everybody finds me charming. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, where would be an interesting original place for a first date? 
I would have to go with my, my husband and I. Our first date was at the 40 Watt. It was a concert venue in Athens. It's a, historic, it's a historic concert venue in Athens, Georgia. Great first date. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what's a gift that keeps on giving? All right. No worries. Uh, what what do people not do enough of today? Talk to each other. Or listen. They don't do enough listening. They do too much talking. <laughs> that's good. Stay tuned. Uh, plug for my TEDx talk coming up at UCLA where that's the topic. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, if you opened a tanning salon, what would you call it? Melanoma. <laughs> I was just going to say something like cancer box or... <laughs> <laughs> wrinkles are us. Right. Uh, if only teenagers understood. Uh, <laughs> what celebrity is surprisingly funny? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right, a couple more, we're, and then we're, at, we're done here. Uh, if you could read one person's diary, who would you read? My mom's. Oh, <laughs> does she keep one? No, oh, okay. but I would just love to know, like, what what she was like, you know, in her twenties and thirties. Because I feel like I didn't fully, truly appreciate everything about my mother until I became one. And I would have loved to read what her diaries were like when my brother and I were little. Yeah, I've kept a diary since twenty one, uh, and oh. I'm it, it's it's it really is my therapy. Uh, but I'm yeah. also partly. I, I would love to share it with the next generation. At the same time, I'm mortified to share it with the next oh, generation. Sure. Uh, but I don't know. I suppose once I pass on, maybe then it gets passed on, and that's it. Just lives on in whoever wants to use it. Yeah. Uh, what's the weirdest thing that popped up when you search your name in Google? Um, there's a soccer player from Radford that had the same name as me through undergrad and so I always it always bothered me when I googled myself that she came up before me <laughs> <laughs> the, the google fight it's a serious yeah. one you just gotta have a last name like Kriegelstein no one can spell it it's, I'm the there only one I dominate that google search I'm sure um, alright last one what's the best present you received in the past six months oh um, so my, my son likes to um, pick up rocks as he's walking, and then he just gives them to me. He puts them in my bag, so if I have, like, a purse or a big bag. Um, so I consider those gifts, and I've been putting them in a mason jar. So we have a rock jar um, that I'm going to keep forever. <laughs> it's just full of rocks that he picks up on the, like, sidewalk or just when we're out, so... Is That's it a, a good gift. Is it, wouldn't it be amazing if, as adults, we could be as joyful of life as picking up a rock and giving it, gifting it to someone? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. He Having a three-year-old truly makes me appreciate all of the things that I never thought I would appreciate, all the little, little things. Yeah. It, makes the, make, it makes the world such a happier place when he's not having a tantrum. <laughs> right, in between the tantrums, sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, Megan, with that, before we go, is there, uh, how can people find out more information about you? Is there uh, social media? How can, how can people connect with you more if they have questions or comments? Sure, so I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn um, as Megan Horan Daly. It's my maiden name and my, my last name. Um, but I also Twitter 
uh, Daily on Twitter. You can follow me. I do a lot of retweeting, really, of just <laughs> things that I think are interesting. Not a lot of my own personal content, but um, that's where you can find me. All right, and we'll put all that in the show notes so people can find her there. And Megan, thank you again so much for taking time out today. Give Kyle a hug for us uh, from mm-hmm. the student affairs community and thank him for letting uh, you share your journey. Our story, to get, yeah, yeah. Your he was story a little bit worried about that. But oh, I, I believe it. We'll get him <laughs> on and corroborate the story and see how right. it goes. Thanks, Megan. Take care. Enjoy Thanks, the rest Tom. of the day. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.